0: With eyes unclouded by hate. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Hello, everyone. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And I am here to continue our deep dive into the Apostles' Creed today. And If you're new to this series, I highly recommend that you go back to the first episode and find out why we're doing this, because it's a doozy. This is not a series that I had planned on doing, but here we are. (laughs) On we go. Today we will be discussing the Holy Spirit, as in I believe in the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Well, I have, uh, Talked a lot about the King James only people for quite some time on this show and my frustration with their inaccurate understanding of history and translation and all of that. But I feel like I, just because they're so common around where I live, I, well, the, this should go without saying there is no distinction between the holy ghost and the holy spirit you see the word numia which is translated as ghost in the king james version of the bible is translated as spirit elsewhere um it's a translation issue you see ghost back in the 1611 when the king james bible was authorized by the king james um meant a spirit of any sort. So within each of us, we had a ghost. You know, spirit, it it kind of meant spirit, it kind of meant soul. It did not have the connotations that it would later have, where now when we talk about ghost, we're, we're talking about things like, you know, people with, you know, the Ghostbusters. People with meters running around in the dark trying to find disembodied spirits for reasons. It, it, the usage of the term ghost changed over time, and so in modern translations, they default to the word spirit. I, I know that the King James Only movement, and if you have never heard of them, they, they are insanely fixated on the text of the King James 1611 authorized version being the only valid way to read the Bible in English because somehow. It's divinely inspired or something, um and I say it that way, not to denigrate their ideas, but really, depending on who you're talking to or which leader of the k j v only movement you are you know reading or listening to, they all have different reasons, but like with having to explain Jesus' name in the first episode on <laughs> that we did talking about him in this series. I yet again feel it necessary to say that the terms Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit are interchangeable with each other and are simply different ways of saying the exact same thing. Um, they, you know, if we go back to the Hebrew, it's Ruach Hakodesh. So, is that more preferable? I, I anyway, it's it's. It, it, It's a frustrating and almost humorous thing if people didn't take it so seriously. So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, first of all, is... Let's start with our construction of the Trinity. So in our understanding of the Trinity, the basic way of understanding them is that they are three ways in which we encounter God. Every time we talk about something in the nature of God, it is either possessed solely by one member of the Trinity or by all three. No two have anything that over any one. It's a perfect equality. And the beautiful thing about that is that it shows us the way we're supposed to live with each other. There are a lot of lessons that we can get from the concept of the Trinity the biggest one is it's supposed to operate almost like a Zen koan. You know, I cannot think of the one without thinking of the three, and I cannot think of the three without thinking of any one. It, it's supposed to be a mystery. It's supposed to be something that helps us remember that we cannot build an idol in the place of God, even an idol of words or ideas. Having said that, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and was promised by Jesus to come. After he left, he would send another, the Paraclete, who would remind us of all the things that he had said and to guide us into all truth. At the end of the Gospel of John, we we're told that there are many things that he could not tell us because we were not ready to hear them, but he would send to us the Spirit of truth who would guide us into all wisdom. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit took part in creation in Genesis. At the beginning, we read that the Holy Spirit hovered over the primordial waters. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. It is the She is the power of God to act in this world. The Holy Spirit filled the temple in Jerusalem it f- she filled the prophets, and she feel fills us to this day. She is the compassion of God, the wisdom of God and if you notice I'm using a female pronoun here, it's because of in my way of my most common way of perceiving the Trinity, the Father God is beyond all of our thoughts and reason reasoning and so everything that is unknowable unsearchable is encapsulated in the concept of the father and is beyond our understanding jesus was a not only a literal person who lived in this world but is also the encapsulation of divine wisdom while wisdom is often referred to as a she jesus is a man and so i often use the term he for him um it is not inappropriate to use male or female pronouns with any part of the trinity we can talk about the father as our mother we can, in fact the prophets did exactly that jesus himself refers to himself as a mother hen at one point and jesus is as i said the incarnation of wisdom who we read in um, the book of Sirach, and in the book of Ecclesiastes, and in the book of Proverbs as a she, because the word chokhmah, wisdom in Hebrew, is feminine. So it's not inappropriate to use any of these pronouns, however we choose to do them. When I think of the Spirit and my own encounters and experience of the Spirit of God, it is far more a manifestation of the divine feminine for me. And thus, it's my preference to use the female pronoun. You can use whatever you want. It it really honestly doesn't matter. God does not have a gender in the way that we do. God is neither male nor female nor anything in between. God is spirit. Having said that, let us continue. The Spirit is sent here to guide us to all truth and to remind us of the things that Jesus has said and to tell us the things that Jesus wasn't able to tell us because we couldn't bear to hear it. And it's that last part that I think a lot of people miss in the teaching of Christ. There's this strong desire for everything to be complete for everything to have been done, everything to be said. And you see this quite often in evangelicals who will hold up a book, which they confuse for the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. That's a book that you have in your hand, but they'll hold up a book and they will wave it back and forth and say that this is everything that you need to know. That's not true. That can't be true. Jesus said that there, that if everything he, he he said he couldn't tell us everything that he needed to tell us. In fact, I believe it's the book of Luke that says, or is it John, that says these are only some of the deeds of Jesus Christ. And if everything had been recorded, there are not enough books in all the world to contain them. So no, not everything is in that book. And this is why over time we've witnessed Christianity grow and change. It didn't fight slavery during the time of Rome because Rome just wouldn't abide it. Rome barely tolerated Christianity at all. Can you imagine if it was also running around saying we have to abolish slavery or the prize fights or any of those things? Those were things that the spirit guided the faithful to later when it was bearable and when it was accomplishable, when it was something that we could do. You know, there have been many who have crusaded against racism for a very long time. We weren't ready to start hearing the message until the 1950s. And many people weren't ready then and still aren't ready now. But this is why the great prophet, Dr. Martin Luther King, was raised among us. And he spoke through the power of the Holy Spirit such profound words that we remember them to this day. He wrote letters to us, he taught us the way that we should go. He helped bring more of our understanding to our commonality as one human people. And that the skin pigmentation or nation of origin are not that important after all. Those were things that it kind of took the, fir- the first two world wars to make the world ready to hear. If it wasn't for the violent nationalism of the the first two world wars, the idea that we should go beyond the idea of race would have seemed crazy to a lot of people, and did. There were people before Dr. King who brought it up. But we were ready to start hearing it then. And hopefully we will hear it better now, and we will get better about it. There are many things that the spirit speaks about. And this is why we on this show seek out the voice of wisdom. As I am apt to say on numerous occasions, I am not the voice of wisdom. I am the voice of Charlie. Charlie is seeking wisdom. And through these dialogues, I am trying to share with you both what I have learned and oftentimes actually learning more through this discussion Because this is what we are meant to do. We are to reason together. We are to seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling, as the Apostle Paul says. And part of that is learning to listen for the voice of wisdom and for the voice of the Spirit that guides us and leads us in the way that we should go. As always, there are those who take this to extreme. You know, I myself was a part of the charismatic movement when I was younger. Um, a very interesting version of the Charismatic Movement because it was the one that existed within the Catholic Church, which doesn't get a lot of press, but (laughs) I often attended services. And, you know, it's something that has shaped, you know, and helped form me in my understanding of the Holy Spirit and our encounters with the Holy Spirit in times of prayer, meditation, and devotion and really taught me to learn to listen to the spirit. Now we can talk about the more performative aspects of this with people speaking in tongues and dancing and all of that. But to me, that's much more spectacle and much more experiential and doesn't have anything really to teach us. I know a lot of people like to put on a show of speaking in tongues because it's an easy thing to fake. And I think a lot of preachers who make a big show out of speaking in tongues are obviously faking. And I don't base that solely off my opinion of their doctrine or what have you, but because many of them have been arrested for uh, defrauding the people that give money to them. That's a good sign that they're not actually doing the work of God. And so the Holy Spirit was sent to us to remind us of the things that Christ taught and the things that we need to know. After the break, we'll talk about exactly how we can come to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit better in our daily lives. And we're back. Okay. So I said, when we got back, we would talk about learning how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is much more of an art than a science because Rarely, if ever, does anyone ever actually hear a voice inside their head. The spirit, as we see in the wonderful story of Elijah on the mountain, what we're seeking is the still small voice. Remember, when Elijah went up onto the mountain to see God, there was a fire, and God was not in the fire. There was a thunder, and God was not in the thunder. There was an earthquake, and God was not in the earthquake. And then came a still, small voice, right? There was a gentle wind. Gentle, calm, quiet. The way we discern the Holy Spirit more, most often is through subtle sensations within ourselves. And they can be hard to pick up on, especially at the beginning. This is one of the reasons why meditation, devotion, and prayer are so important and powerful for us to partake in, because they teach us to calm our mind and relax our the chattering that we have within ourselves so that we can actually feel those subtle stirrings within that guide us in the way that we should go. And then, of course, there's the discernment of learning when we're listening to the stirrings of the spirit and when it's just, you know, what we had for lunch burbling within us. And that, again, takes time. And it takes a lot of time. (laughs) This is something that, you know, I think this goes down to movies and people like me who, you know, write fantasy fiction quite often have put this idea in people's heads that, you know, these experiences of the divine are ground. groundbreaking right that everyone experiences this like moses in the burning bush and those experiences are so exceedingly rare i think most of us could name the people who have had them (laughs) you know they're so few and far between the vast majority of us when we experience the voice of the spirit are experiencing it in those gentle stirrings the strange compassion that we have for someone that feels like it's not coming from ourselves, that we just feel it. It's just overwhelming. It's just there. That's a stirring of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's a desire to do something. You know, my call to ministry is, you know, from my own personal belief, my answering of the call of the Holy Spirit. I felt this stirring in me since I was a child, and i've looked for and practiced various things throughout my life to try to answer that call right now i feel like i can best answer that call by doing podcasts like this now does that mean that i feel like i'm on a divine mission well i think everyone's on a divine mission we are all prophets we're all artists we're all mystics these are things that we're all called to do in our own way i just happen to be somebody who likes talking and so if I can sit here and talk for a while and record that, me discussing, you know, things of God and faith and spirituality and put them out there and people get something out of it, then I am doing what I'm here to do. You know, I am fulfilling my purpose. But we get too fixated on the concept of purpose and divine guidance. You know, I love the word providence because one of the things that, you know, you start learning as you go through life is how much of your life seemed to be planned out for you in ways that you didn't expect. Like, it just comes together like a well-knit story from time to time. And that's really where you see this guidance. Like, we didn't mean to go there. We didn't mean to do these things. We didn't mean to meet these people. And now I can't imagine my life without them. You know, those kinds of things where there appears to be an unseen hand guiding you. In all things, you know, pray to be filled with the Spirit. You know, the Apostle Paul said the gift of prophecy is desirable above everything except the gift of compassion. That we should want compassion first, and once we have that, we should ask for the gift of prophecy. He actually says that we should ask for the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy is not what people pretend that it is. The gift of prophecy is not predicting the future. In fact, if you actually read the prophets, very little of what they said had to do with the future. They talked a lot about what was happening around them at the time and how things needed to change. The voice of the prophets is the voice of justice. And that stirring within us that drives us to do the just thing, to do the right thing, that is the prodding of the Holy Spirit within us trying to get us on the right path. And so when we pray for the gift of prophecy. Again, I think so many people think that they're going to receive visions. And again, that is so rare. You can name the people. just they, they, It's rare. And yes, there are people like St. Hildegard who received visions and wrote them down, and that was her calling. But for the vast majority of us, that's not what's going to happen. And That's not what we should expect to happen, because not everybody learns that way, not everybody benefits from that type of experience. We interact with the spirit of God in the way that is best for us. I know people that encounter God much better in cities than in nature. I know people that experience God better in nature than they do in in cities. There are people that I know that have a profound experience of God when they're alone in prayer and private devotion, and I know people that have a very profound experience of God when they're in a group. Everyone is different, and everyone encounters these things in their own way. The basic commonality to all of it, to the, to the experience, is that we encounter God in prayer and devotion. Prayer is our response to life. Everything that we do is an act of prayer. It's not just when we say, you know, our Father who art in heaven. That's a prayer. But everything that you do in your life is prayer. The way you brush your teeth is prayer. The way you walk is prayer. The way you talk to others is prayer. Your life is a living prayer. Your body is a temple. Everything that you do is an act of prayer one way or another. But in our devotions, it becomes much easier for us to discern the subtle leanings of the Spirit. When we pray, when we practice Lectio Divina, when we meditate and enter that place of pure peace that is the basic nature of the universe, and we feel that stirring within us, when we find ourselves surrounded by the taberadic light, when we're in deep prayer, those are all moments when we begin to discern the Holy Spirit most easily. But the point of all of that is to learn to see it when it's easy. It's easy to discern peace when we meditate. It's easy to discern the stirrings of the Spirit when we're meditating. But that's a problem in our daily life because we're not constantly in a state of meditation. While we all strive every day to live in a state of mindfulness, most of us will find it a struggle to do that. And so it's in those moments of meditation we learn to see what mindfulness is. We learn to see what peace feels like, what that basic state of the world feels like. And in learning in those situations where it's easy, we develop the skills to do that when it's hard, when our mind is racing, when everything's hectic around us. It's easier to find that inner peace, that inner calm, that basic nature of the world, if we have an experience of it. Meditation and mindfulness are ways for us to exercise, if you will, our spiritual muscles, so that when we actually need to use them in our regular life, we are practiced, we are rehearsed, we are ready to do it. So if you are truly wanting to hear the voice of the spirit, if you're truly wanting to hear The stirrings of the spirit. And that's actually the best way to think about it, is a subtle guidance within. A guidance that comes without words. The best place to practice that is in meditation. Take up a novena, pray for nine days, that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can find a written novena if you want to, but I think you would benefit from... Saying your own prayer. Because in composing your own prayer, you get a sense of what it is you're wanting, what it is that your desire actually is. And that will help you to realize why you're doing what you're doing. So take up a novena, nine days. Ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit and sit in quiet contemplation and feel what's happening within you. Listen to what's happening in your mind. I think you might be astounded at the subtle pulls on you that are there. Some that are good, some that are bad. But they're all there, and they're all part of you. As Joseph Campbell used to say, all the gods are within you, All of the hells the heavens, all of the devils are within you. And it's true. They're all inside us. As we discussed yesterday when we talked about heaven, heaven is within us. The kingdom of heaven is within us and amongst us. It is spread out on the earth and we just don't see it. It's in these moments of prayer and meditation that we learn to see what is here and what is actually affecting us. I hope you enjoyed this show if you did in the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or this podcast please do that that helps me out a lot it tells the algorithms to share me with other people and that helps get the word out if you know anybody that might benefit from this or any other episode of this podcast please share it with them that really would make me happy not that you really have to worry about making me happy. If you have a few bucks that you can pass my way, um, depending on the app that you're listening to me on, there'll either be a button that says "Support," or in the show notes, there's a link that says "Support" on Anchor. If you click that, you can donate at the one dollar, five dollar, or ten dollar level. That's per month, and that helps me, you know, fund everything that I'm doing. And you know, I'm gonna need to get a new mic soon, and I'm gonna need to get some new software soon, and you know, I I do everything that I do on a, as tight a budget as I can, but you know, all the money does come out of my pocket and it would, you know, anything that you could do to help would be greatly appreciated. And if you don't have the money, don't worry about it. This is, I don't do this for money. I, I do this to share with you, but you can do me a big favor. You can pray for me. Your prayers really do help. And They're so greatly appreciated. Thank you to everybody who does pray for me and everything that we're doing here. If you want to contact me, there's a couple ways you can do that. The best way is to go to anchor.fm and download the Anchor app. Once you do, follow Wisdom's Cry on there. Then you'll see a button that says voice message. If you click that, you can send me up to a one-minute message that... It can be a question, a comment, or a topic you would like to hear me discuss. Keep it clean, and if it's good, I'll use it on the show. Um, I've actually used these on other podcasts that I do, and they're a lot of fun to be able to answer questions. If you want to contact me on social media, easiest place is probably Twitter. I'm Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter, but you can find a link to all my social media over at WisdomsCry.com. And until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever-growing in wisdom. Amen.